0: Thank you, Lord. The love of God is going around in here. We used to sing this old song. You'll know they're Christians by what? Their love, one for another. You know, that's some real power in letting the love of God be released in your life. I get the honor of introducing two wonderful friends that are here tonight. And I just want to say a couple little things. I During the the seminar, I shared a little bit about my relationship. But I had the honor of, of introducing Bob and Bonnie, you know, once before, a little over three years ago. Uh, no, before that. Five. Five years. Man, time flies when you're serving the Lord. Wow. They might share about that. But, you know, Bob walks in the office of a prophet. But you know what? More than that, he's a friend. The first time I ever spoke to Bob, ever spoke to him, I was scared to death. But the first time I ever spoke to him, I felt like the Lord gave me a scripture, little old me. And I went up front and I, there was a seat next to him and I walked up to him and I said, Bob, I feel like the Lord's given me a scripture for you. And he grabbed my arm and pulled me around into the chair next to him. And I ended up with my head on his chest as people are coming up talking. You know, I'm listening to him talk to people and, and so forth. finally, people stopped and he looked over at me and I said, I, I got a scripture for you. He says, what is it? And I said, it's John 15:15. 15. 15. And, um, you know, he says, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. And He looked at me and he said, you know, that's my favorite scripture. And Bob has been a wonderful friend to me and to the church and an example of what friendship is. And Bonnie has just come along and been such a wonderful example of what a helpmate is. You know, I'm going to say this. Bob wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Bonnie. That's the truth. This is a perfect example of what a helpmate is. I just want us to open our hearts. The Scripture says if you receive a prophet, if you receive him, you're going to receive a reward. And and, and they are both walking together as one in in that place. And I really want to encourage you to open your hearts and and receive tonight. Come on up, you guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Well, thank you. It's good to be here. We're usually here on a Sunday morning, but this is this is a treat. And uh, you know, we called Steve Lapp and Eleazar um, because. <laughs> That um, Bob and I met in November of 2005, and uh, July of that year, I went to a conference at Mahesh and Bonnie's All Nations Church, and Bobby Connor was speaking there, and he told all the single people to stand up, and we were going to pray to bring in uh, Eleazar's camel, you know, we had to, so all the single had all single people had to stand up and pray for their their spouse. And I thought, man, I didn't want to do it, but I was single. So see, here's my camel. <laughs> Eliezer was the best friend of Abraham, so and he went out to seek a bride for Isaac. And Steve introduced me to Bob, and the rest is history. It's a long story. We don't have time for it tonight, but it's a funny story. But anyhow, so we've called. We have called uh, Steve Eliezer. So I'm just going to share a little bit and then give this to Bob. But um, something I kept hearing tonight was love, 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 love. The songs was about love. and uh, Matthew was speaking about love. And it just reminded me of something the Lord gave me maybe two weeks ago. Um, he said, love, this is like his interpretation of love. When you're in right standing with God, you can receive His love unabated from the woes of this world. So I'm like, okay. When he throws a word at me that I don't know what it means, like unabated, I have to look it up. But unabated means um, unhindered, free-flowing, like that spirit within us, free-flowing. It means being full of strength or force, the Holy Spirit within us. So... um, My kind of interpretation of this is when you're in right standing with God, when you don't let anything else hinder your walk with the Lord. You know, we have nothing to fear. We're to walk in faith. So if we're in right standing with Him, we stand on His Word, we stand, we walk in the power of God, Um, we can receive His love, free-flowing love, there's nothing that can hinder that flow between him and us. So all the woes of the world, like there's so much chaos going on right now, and even what's going on over there in Egypt, we see it taking place here too. We don't have to worry about that. We have that free, it's a fountain flowing straight from him to us. We don't have to worry about it. Okay, and the same day he gave me that, it was kind of like a continuous thing. He said... We're in for three changes. So it's the the body of Christ. We're in for three changes. God the parent, God the person, God the power. So God the parent, we are really going to come to know who our daddy is. God the person, that's our Lord. We're really going to know the intimacy with the Lord and God the power. I believe this is a year we're going to begin to walk in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, come into the Holy of Holies. So the invitation is there. We're going to walk in his love, free-flowing love. You know, like I said, you know, sometimes honest, Bob and I can get irritated with each other. Huh. <laughs> but the thing is, but my love for God is so much greater than anything He or anybody else can say or do toward me or about me or to me or whatever. You know, none of that really matters. His love for me is far greater than all those other things. So when I start getting that little aggravation or irritation, if it's Him or if it's somebody else, or, there's so many things just being said, you know, about us. I went on one online one day and just looked at my name and I... I I was in good company. It was Bob, and we had Bob Jones, Rick Joyner, Todd Bentley, Benny Hinn, and Bill Johnson, and me. And I said, well, hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> they put me with the big boys, so that, that was kind of nice. But, you know, no matter, I read the stuff and I laughed. It was really funny. And I said, well, and I could get mad about it, and I could start spewing some stuff out. And I thought, well, why do that? You know, I laughed about it. I, thought, I know this is a bunch of lies, what the guy was saying anyhow. So my love for God is far greater than all those ugly things these people was, you know, you know what I'm saying? So keep that fountain clean. You know, it's up to us. We can choose to keep it clean. And God's saying, you know, this is a promise from him. I want to know God the person. God, God the parent, God the person, God the power. And this is the year we're going to know it and walk in it.
2: On December the 26th of 98, I was uh, in Panama City, Florida. I'd been there seven years, and there was really good things going on. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "Move to Statesville, North Carolina." And I'd never heard of Statesville, North Carolina. So I began to ask, where's Statesville, North Carolina? And the man in the house with us said, I was there once. It's north of Charlotte. I said, I'm going to have to move there. And the Holy Spirit began to tell me about a house. He gave me all the details except one detail. Down there in Florida, I had a swimming pool. And this house he's talking about, he didn't say anything about a swimming pool. So I put my house up for sale down there. It didn't sell. And uh, in 99, nearly a year later, I uh, was going to go to uh, uh, up to Moravian Falls. And do uh, a boot camp. And he told me, I'm going to tell you where the house is. I want you to buy the house this time. So I'd met Steve Lepkin before, and I told him, uh, I'm, I'm going to want a house in Statesville. And I told him what it looked like. So... We drove around, and all the roads kept coming back at one place. And this house was exactly what he had told me, except it was sold. So uh, uh, I got a hold of Steve, and we drove some more. Always come back to this one house. I'll tell you, I think sometimes God has got plans for our lives that we don't even believe. And, uh, by the way, my house in Florida hadn't sold either. So, I don't know how many times Steve drove me around. We looked at a lot of houses. and They wouldn't have matched up. So, I was over at Buckham Lane. Uh, we was doing the, the boot camp in Wilkesboro. And that morning the Lord spoke to me and said, buy that house. And uh, I think, man, the house is sold. Buy it and this is the price you'll pay for it. And I want you to buy an auto today too, a new car. So I got up and I was pondering it and I think, well, I've got Steve's number here. I'm going to give him a call. So I called Steve and I said, I want to buy that house that we looked at that was sold. He said, you ain't going to believe this, Bob, but it fell through last night. I said, this is a price that he's told me to offer it. Steve said, I don't think they'll take it. but he said he'd offer it. I said, yeah, they'll take it. And they did. So I was in the, the basement, bugging Elaine's house up in Raven Falls, and I said, "And a man came out of a bedroom. There was three or four bedrooms down there, and I was in one, and he was in the other. And I said, well, Lord, I did the first thing you want me to do. Now I've got to do the second thing. I've got to buy a car. And this man came out of the bedroom and said, Bob, I sell cars. Brad McClinton. So I told him what I wanted, and he said, I'll go get it. Sometimes we wait a long time, and we get tested. That day, in five minutes, I'd been waiting nearly a year. I bought a house and a car. Uh, I got a call from Panama City, Florida. A couple had looked at my house and said they wanted it. So I was told that I've got to be in this house that I just bought within one month. And I had to do boot camp for about a week. How are you going to do that? Waited all year. So Steve and us, we uh, got together and signed the papers on the house. I went to Florida and got a check and brought it back up here brought a load of stuff and working on my house down there and the Lord said you've got a, an appointment in Mobile, Alabama, I want you to bring a lot of prophecies and I want you to go down there and speak to these people that there will be a thing happening in Mobile and there has been a thing happening in Mobile that was spoke way back there, now and uh I went and did a conference in Mobile. Uh, My time was sure getting close down there in Florida. And I was told to be up here by the 6th of October. So uh, I was praying, Lord, how am I going to get moved and all this stuff? On the, the 3rd, I got home of October. And I think... I'm going to have to try to get somebody to uh, carry my stuff up to Statesville. And the Lord said, I want you to go to this church tomorrow and preach. Preach. It's going to be the fourth. So I went over to the church and I brought the Word. And the brother at the church said, Bob, we know what's going on with you. We're going to rent a... You haul and come over tonight and get your furniture and take you to Statesville. So I waited about 7 o'clock that night and they drove up. You know, by 10 o'clock they had all my furniture loaded, everything out of the house. Well, we hadn't packed anything, they had all the pictures off the wall and everything. And the next day we drove to Statesville and Steve and Janice and a lot of them unloaded us, set up the beds, and we slept there that night. And this area in here is an area, I believe, that has a waiting deal on it. But when it happens, it's going to happen so fast that you're not going to know how to handle it. So the next day, Steve and I, we went to a restaurant on the corner of Forty Highway, I forget what the name of that restaurant was, Steve, do you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't to go and corral. Anyway, we went in there and I was, uh, I went in there, Steve, and we went in there in the line. And some man's turned around and said, well, you're Bob Jones. And I said, yeah, I know who I am. He said, a man had been waiting and prophesying two years He was coming here. I said, I moved here yesterday. He said, that man, uh, I want to call him. Will you be here? And I said, I'll be here until we eat. As we were leaving that, uh, this man drove up. Uh, Alan Smith. I believe this area in here has got a calling for... Agriculture on a level that you don't even have any idea of. And also producing your own foods and everything in a time of shaking. And having an abundance to feed others. So I'd encourage many of you to get some type of an ideal about putting some gardens in. Or learning to grow your own. So the Lord is speaking about This man, he told me, this man, and he told me, this is my farmer. He's an apostolic farmer. And uh, as we were coming out of the restaurant, he drove up. That's the man I'd been told about. As he drove up, I told him, the uh, said, this is the man. I said, yeah, I know who he is. I don't know what his name is. But he's got a purple... Uh, business card in his billfold. Alan took his billfold out. Well, I didn't know about it. And he took it out and he had a purple card in there. I told him several things about it. I said, you're the man that I was sent here to meet. And now I've just got one other thing I want to resolve. He come up with two men. And I said, uh, Bola and I, we need a doctor that we can uh, get a hold of for certain things. This other man with him said, Bob, I'm a doctor. All of that was resolved that quick. So, I was up in this area for quite a while. And uh, I really enjoyed this area. But I feel that this area, and just like the farmers and the the dairymen and all these things have been in, a, in me trying to bring a poverty level to keep you people from producing things that God wants produced. I think now you're going to need to really get some type of an ideal of putting in garden or we get an ideal of feeding others. Because uh, things aren't over. They may say so in TV, but things haven't started yet. And uh, I think growing your own food is got more nutritious in it, better for you than anything else. And I'll tell you something about gardening, whether you like it or not. Electrical energy is in the soil. It's no longer in the air. It used to be, but it's deteriorated, or it's just in the soil now. Every one of you need to walk on that soil at least once today. You need to walk on it because it'll, your your heart and all your organs run off of a, a light electrical charge. And the air and everything it used to be ended six thousand years ago. Not there anymore. By the way. It was so hot 6,000 years ago that life as you know it now couldn't exist. I mean, science has proven that. It breaks down at a given rate every year. So we need to get back walking. We need to get back some gardening because it puts that electrical energy into you to make you healthy. And the food is healthier. Some of the food you're getting now is all the nutrients has been... uh, uh, destroyed by genetics. And uh, I think it'd be a good idea for some of you to learn to can again. So I believe that this area in here and on up in this, around in this area, is an area the Lord is going to want a surplus grown. Now, when I moved up there with Alan, close to him, uh, I saw we would pray for rain and it would come. In a time of drought, I saw corn that was ten foot high out there in his field with two ears on it. You've got an authority that you haven't been using And I think it's about time that you begin to seek the Lord as what He'd have you to do. You've got the authority. You've got to say. And I think what I'm going to try to... These two, two messages I'm going to be giving to, to, tonight and tomorrow is try to show you who you are. Some of you know about... Oh, three. Influenza was so bad in this country and all of the United States and Canada that the hospital wings were full. The, uh, the uh, walkways were full. They had no room for any more. And I went to a Star conference on New Year's Eve. But before I got there, I had a, tr- I was in a trance and I saw the Lord And he spoke to me. He said, I am really put out about how the people in this area are handling things. He said, I'm angry. They're letting my babies and the old people die of influenza. And they're asking me to pull it back, and I can't. It was pretty hard to understand what he was talking about. I always thought that he could. He said, no, I can't. If you go there and rebuke them tomorrow for not taking authority of what I've given them the authority to take and then tell them to curse his influenza and it'll die. See, he's given all of you the authority I think you're asking him to do things that he's not going to do. Because he's not going to violate his own word. So there's a lot of things taking place in this nation. And if we just sit on our seats and let it happen, it's going to happen. But if we get up and begin to unite together, it won't happen. And in certain areas, it's going to determine where you're going to go and what you're going to do. With Alan, over and over those seven years I lived up there, we would pray at different times in the rain, and other places it burned up. So that morning I went to Morning Star, and I uh, had Rick Jor and some of the others got up burned. I called the church to repent because they hadn't done warfare with this influenza. And so we repented and we cursed influenza, and it died instantly i heard- I never heard of another case of influence in the United States or Canada that year. God has said, I have given my church all authority. That's all there is. Authority is not worth anything unless you use it. I think it's a time that. You begin to say what's going to happen. You say it with your mouth. There's so many curses coming out of people cursing themselves, speaking against themselves. Uh, speaking against weather and things like this and everything. Instead of taking authority of it. And when you put a curse on something, it is going to die. Your words have got power in it. Bonnie's got a message. I wish you had time to bring it. But it's about this very same thing. What comes out of your mouth determines where you're going. So you need to begin to watch what you say. But you need to begin to say. There's such negative things being spoken now. Uh, Break the power of those spoken words. If there's things over your life that's still bothering you, then go back and see if somebody's spoken a, a spoken word over your life and you break it. I believe God wants to bless this area in here. Not only with uh, agriculture, but with other uh, tools and things like this. I believe he wants to bless this area in here with, with businesses. But you need to begin to say so. I have saw that that influenza died instantly. I have saw it rain up here when it was when we we spoke to it. I have saw storms that looked like they were going to destroy things, just break up when you spoke at it. I think it's time that the body of Christ wakes up. Who are you? One thing about the leaders, the true leaders that's raising up in the church now, they will have the keys of David. And the keys of David... Is to unlock the sons and daughters that's underneath them, set them free, let them come forth in that authority. And I believe this church here is one that will give you the liberty to do the things that God has called you to do. If you've got all authority, then you've not got it up here in your head. You've got it here in your spirit. And you can exert spiritual authority here. By the way, your human spirit is also your conscience. Same thing. You, If you've you've defiled your conscience, then you repent of it. God's not going to clean you up. You defile it, it's your job to, to repent and clean it up. And you clean it up, then you're going to have authority in your, your, your spirit. God is a spirit. And your relationship with Him will begin in your spirit. And I think it's what He's called in this area. That you would begin to have a relationship with your daddy in the spirit. And I know you've got some leaders here whose main heart is to turn you loose. The keys of David in Isaiah twenty two twenty two. And they are being given uh, to to the uh, to the leaders and the elders in the church to literally instead of imprisoning you and keeping a hierarchy called the Nicolaitan spirit in action. Nicol means conquer the laity. Theirs is to unlock your conscience, your spirit, man. And lets you begin to take authority. You've got authority over all diseases, in case you didn't know it. You've got authority over rain. You should never pray against rain if you've got all you need. Then pray that it goes another place where it's needed. But never pray against it. So, it's time that the body of Christ finds out who they are. Your daddy's for you. The devil is against you. What side are you going to vote with? You want to know what your daddy thinks about you? It's in Jeremiah uh, 29, 10. Here's what your papa thinks of you.
1: 11. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome.
2: You ought to look that over. This is his plans for your life. For your good. I think that's what he's got in mind for this entire area. So, the keys of David, there's fathers being raised up in the body of Christ in different places that is going to turn the body of Christ loose. For you've been in prison long enough, you might call it a jailbreak. But it's not here. For you see, your mind has been a jailer. And your spirit has been imprisoned. And God meets with man in his spirit, not in his mind. So the breakthrough is coming from here to here. That your mind would lose authority over your spirit and would become a servant to your spirit. And God is in touch with your spirit. Therefore, He would speak into your human spirit, your conscience, and you'll hear as clean as your conscience is. If your conscience has got sin in it, then it's going to be dark to where you don't understand it. But if you've repented and cleaned up your conscience, then it'll come clear into you. And the Holy Spirit is in your spirit, speaking into your spirit. And when your spirit speaks into your imagination, your your imagination will relay it to your brain and your brain will proclaim things and bring them into being. But your brain will then be the servant, serving the spirit realm. And those that are coming forth as fathers, are going to release their sons and daughters into this. And this uh, O11 is simply a, a preparation and equipping for O12. 12 begins a real change. So in O9, some of you know these things, but I'm going to repeat them. O9 was the year of the ox. The ox plowed all year long over burned out ground. Ground that had never been plowed before. It was one hard, hot, miserable year. If you had a good time in '09, you'd need to repent of it. <laughs> and the ox knew not why he plowed, because there wasn't anything to eat. There wasn't anything green. There wasn't anything going on. Everything was dying. And he plowed up the roots in this new ground. He didn't plow old fallow church ground that had quit producing years ago all the energy going out of it. He plowed brand new ground. It's a brand new thing that's going on. This brand new thing that's going on, it's, it's never happened in a church before, so you haven't got anything to compare it to. So the ox plowed. O oh, Ten was the year of the Eagle. The Eagle had all kind of revelation. And all kind of warfare. Everything would get after the eagle and he'd have to escape by flying directly into the sun. The only bird that can is the eagle. He had a field over his eye and he fly directly into the sun. And nothing could follow him there. O oh, Ten was you having the revelation of what God wanted to do and having the frustration of not being able to do it and having to escape continually to the Son, having to go to the Lord continually. Well, this year, 11, is the year of the lion. The lion has authority. So the ox plowed, the eagle sawn, what the eagle sowed, if he sowed it on old fallow ground, nothing has come up. But on new ground that's been plowed, the harvest has started. This is year the lion has come forth with authority. So, the year of the lion. He needed the ox as a servant. The eagle was a revelation. Now, get ready this year, you... I believe that uh, what I've been hearing is the authority of the lion has been going on among you. You've been praying for people that are getting healed. You're given revelation. That's the year of the lion. That's equipping. as preparation. The lion is is the top predator. Nothing. Eats the lion. He stopped. But he's got a great enemy. It's the flies. Flies can distract the lion so much that he quits to eat and starves. These flies are lies. You can let the lies that's going on now distract you so much. That you lose faith. You quit eating. You quit getting into the Bible. That's eating. You starve. Don't get distracted by all this stuff that's going on now. Get into the Word. Here. Let it feed into your spirit, man. And let it energize you for the next harvest. For the lion... is already beginning to roar in many of the fellowships. The roar of the lion, he, he doesn't roar into the air, he roars into the earth. He can go out as far as five miles. It's a vibration. And what the lion is saying, this is my property, devil, get off of it. One lion... Can infect as much as five miles out in a circle, ten miles all the way across. His voice can be heard that far. It's the year for the lions to roar. A lioness is a lion. Her roar is heard, and I saw a wildlife program. The other day, the male was roaring protect his territory. The female was roaring. There was a little cub just walking, so cute. He said,
0: woo, woo, woo.
2: He was roaring too. So it is the time that the children of of the tribe of Judah roar. And begin to take back the land that was given to the devil. And take back those things. The devil, the only thing he ever had going for him was deception, lies, and things like that. And enticing people to give him the authority. It's time we take it back. He's really a defeated foe. And as long as he can keep you from not knowing who you are, he'll keep you defeated.
1: Bob was saying about the lion that his only enemy is the fly. The only way the fly ha- uh, the lion has to uh, defend himself against the fly is to swat him with his tail, like to squish his tail and swat him. And to me, when I read that, I thought, you know, he is a uh, tail bearer. See, we have to be the lion with the bearing the tale of the gospel, of the truth, and that will diffuse the lies of the enemy. Okay? And then I wanted to share with you something about um, lions. I don't know if you saw that we had lions born in our national zoo in Washington, D.C. But there's a... Uh, Luke the lion. He's five years old. They bred him with... He, he's like the best... Uh, male, I guess you'd say, stud lion. I don't know. That's kind of his job. But anyhow, they bred him with um, two sisters. Now, Luke means uh, bringer of light, and they bred him with um, Shira, which means light, and the other sister is uh, Naba, like the Naba prophet, you know. So I was just looking at that, okay, you have light and the bringer of light and the free flowing of the holy spirit you know through the naba prophet they had uh, the one had let's see three how'd she have i think there's three female cubs and one male and the other one had two male cubs and one female so there's four females three males so i said you know see so it's like god's doing this in the in the you know with even with nature you know bringing forth the, the ladies the women the, the females, and um, but each one of them they I know they named one Aslan the kids that that played in uh, Narnia they went there to see the Cubs and and they named it Narnia and I don't remember all the names of them but they were they were very prophetic names because one was like Majesty you know because they were magnificent and Majesty and they were really profound names, um, and even the one daycare center it, it was like uh, Horizon Light on the Horizon, or something like that, was the name of the daycare that that named one of the the um, lions. And then that was I think they were born in September. And then in November, um, there were this was in Argentina. There were three cubs, white cubs, born. the The male and female were white. And these are what they call, they have a recessive gene. Because both the parents were white, the little cubs, there was two females and one male. And they have a recessive gene. they said they are more pure than the parents. Okay? And I said that recessive gene, it's not a dominant gene, it's a hidden gene, just like the Holy Spirit is hidden in us. And because the parents were white, just like, you know, we can walk in that place of holiness but we raise our children up, and that's all they're going to know is the holiness. They will be like those baby cubs, pure, the pure. And that's what, that's what i just kept seeing. God's declaring this, even in nature, you know. So that was my little tidbit for the lions.
2: In the shepherd yard this year, it's the year of the woman. See, we've made women second-class citizens. It's really strange because over 2,000 years ago, the Lord set them free. So without the women, we're 50 percenters. This is the year the men and the women need to come together, united in a common purpose. Of it's time that we quit playing these kind of games. The women are by nature... Right brained, inspired. And many of your best intercessors are women. So we need the women coming forth in a big way. The men, they've been trying to do their part, but we need it all together. So this is the year you're going to begin to see the women come forth. And I think that nature's de- nature declares the truth. The white to me means righteous. There were seven cubs in born in Washington D.C. I think the Lord is saying, "You better be praying for Washington D.C. that the lions invade it." A lion is a warrior. If this nation ever needed warriors in Washington, see, it's now. Righteousness. Jeremiah 5:1. Go through the streets of Jerusalem. See if you can find one righteous man. If you can find one righteous man, I'll pardon Jerusalem. If it was every time we needed righteous men and women coming together, it's now. For this nation is in trouble. But there's enough righteous people if they will only come together and lay their agendas down. They can turn this nation around. On January the 16th, going away back, I was told to call a group of prophets together called the Round Table of the Prophets. And it was because on January the 16th, the almond tree blooms. It's the first blooming of the trees. And so for years, I've gone before the Lord on this date. And he would tell me things to begin to bring into the church. This year, Bunny and I went before it, and some others. And the Lord showed me a fishing net. It was full of fish, except it had a hole in it, and they went right through it. And I was even in this trance wondering what is the interpretation of this. And he showed me a tool that can put fishing nets back together. And he was saying this, this is a year you need to network. One can't one can't handle it. This tool networks with other networks with other churches. And we'll make a net that will hold the fish. This was Peter's fishing net. There were 153 fish in it. There were 153 nations at that time and one other nation. The Lord had one nation on the spit, the fire. That's Israel. It's still on the spit now. We need to pray for her continually. There were 154 nations in the world at that time. And the Lord said, Get a vision for the world. Ask for the world. Not one group can handle it. Begin to network with other people. And uh uh Lynn found what a one of these pieces of of this tool that networks he he's got there really is one that can Put the nets back together. The harvest is ready. The church isn't. The harvest is coming. Not one church can handle it. No denominations can handle it. We need to network with one another and get a vision and lay our agendas down. And get a vision, get the the Father's vision for the world. There is enough harvest out there for everybody. It's time the church quits fighting and and gets over this sheep stealing uh, stuff. Lay your agendas down. You need to come together because the harvest is ready. The first of it will begin in 2012. You need to be ready. That net is going to be coming together. If you can network with other churches. Many churches won't meet in the church building. But there needs to be a network to where somebody can come together. If one righteous man can get you one town, how many could ten righteous men get you They could get you a state. It's time the righteous come together and begin to seek Him so He can give them plans how to bring in the harvest of all time and the shaking of all time. So, I think a a church ought to have networks with home groups Home groups are really networking together too. So, the harvest is ready. Are you? This is a year the net comes together. There are certain men and women that stretch a level in the Spirit to where the Father is going to give them this tool. And the ability to network. wouldn't be surprised if he had or going to give you that ability. O-12 is the year of the man. He'll leave with the nature of the ox, the revelation of the eagle, the authority of the lion. And his job will be carried to the world. There's outreaches going on in the world now that some of the greatest I've ever heard of. They're not taking that big a place in the United States as they are in other nations like Peru and Argentina and some others. But I do feel that there are things that's developing now in the United States that are going to come together. The glory is being seen in other places now. I think he's calling for the churches to come together to where he can bring his glory in. I think it's going to be, you had a couple of good praisers up here tonight. I think it's going to first start to place in praise. And it's going to take place in youth. Down in Ava Peru. It's it's a meeting they had out there. They called it Ava Peru. They had a tent down there. A huge tent. There's 5,000 youth come to that tent. A glory cloud rested over that tent all night long. they got all kinds of pictures of it. 5,000 youth got saved. If it's happening there, why not here? Why not get a vision for that here? But what would Ardell County do if five thousand people got saved tonight, have you got a place to put them? No, you don't. I think that's why it's not taking place down there. They do five thousand at once. Well, these men that did that are down there now, and I don't—I haven't heard from them. They hadn't got back yet. But uh, talking a hundred thousand now. Money and I out in the state of Washington, we met these men. Uh, and they are really committed, but so are you. But they've got a, a commitment to one another too, as you need to make a commitment to one another. Much of the church has been like tumbleweeds. Any place that blow, the wind blows you, that's where you go. You never put roots down. If you don't put roots down, you never bear fruit up. And a tumbleweed is only good for burning. So it's time that you really get rooted and grounded in some fellowship. And you hang in there and begin to produce fruit. For the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy the churches that God's got his finger on. If he can, he knows that he can destroy some of the harvest. But it is a time that we get a vision that we are brothers and sisters. And we make peace with one another. And we do it first with our tongues. Mainly keeping our mouths shut about gossip and slander and things like that. And start to bless instead of cursing. So. How many righteous people have you got in here? Have you got ten in here? Do so you know you could impact this entire state? One to a thousand, two to ten thousand? Three to a hundred thousand? Four to a million? See what ten would be? God goes in zeros. He starts with one person. With his two, he puts a zero and he keeps it up. Ten people, ten righteous people in agreement in intercession and prayer could change this into our state. And it's really time that, that we do come together and that we do begin to say. So you get that one deal for me. Recently, he gave me a word. He was saying, my people don't know who they are. As long as the enemy can keep them blinded and deaf, they don't know who they are. Tell them who they are. When I was a good Baptist, I taught these things. I'm about to share with you. is rapture. I still teach it that way, but not the way that I taught it then. Rapture is from head to spirit. I believe your breakthrough is going to come when your head becomes servant to your spirit man. That's the breakthrough we've been waiting for. I call this the coming of the Lord. A few months ago, the Lord said, the Scriptures you've used all your life, you've never understood them. I'm coming. The coming of the Lord. I'm coming inside my people. I'm not coming to carry them away. I'm coming within them. And James 5, 7, 8. What do you think about that? Carol, good old Baptist people like us. (laughs) James 5, 7, 8. Therefore be patient, brother, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I believe the Lord is coming. I'm talking to an area that's got farming in it. So you ought to understand that when you sow things, you sow them to reap. You need to get that in there. I'm sowing this. I'm putting a demand on it. I want to reap. Uh, The early and the latter rain. Bonnie and I were just with a lot of people out there in the Washington, state of Washington, to where the letter rain originated. Only one of the brothers still remains alive. We were with him uh, this last week. His name is James Watt. And I told him. I don't believe what took place back there in the 50s was the latter rain. I think it was the early rain. He said, so do we. What's coming now, we had those same prophecies back there, but they never hatched. We believe it was a a beginning of the early rain. And we've been waiting for the latter rain. I believe you're getting ready for the latter rain. I also feel that we got short char- short char- shortage on Pentecost. We didn't get all of Pentecost. I believe the church is being prepared for a second Pentecost. I think it's time that you need to begin to pray. What kind of tongue you want? Japanese, German. Korean. For they, on Pentecost, these tongues were heard. They speak the same language worldwide. They had tongues of fire. I believe there's a preparation going on and I don't know when. And I'm praying this next year. I believe you're getting ready for the real Pentecost. We've been speaking in tongues and things like that, but it's not a language that anybody knows. In true tongues, it's a known language. And those that are heathen will be saved when it's spoken. So, get ready for the, the latter rain. By the way, this brother, there was a scientist and a a Christian scientist from Russia that figured numbers. He taught a man by the name of Einstein how to really do mathematics. Uh, this brother, James Watt, knew him. And he showed James Watt in Scripture how that everything in Scripture lines up by numbers. And James Watt began to put a book together 66 years ago. He finished it last December. I think the 31st, 66 books in our Bible. And it took him 66 years to get this book out. And this book approves whether the Bible is accurate or not, in the way the sequence of the numbers go. Uh, God is intelligence far beyond ours, but this book is going to come out when it does, I think you'll see that it's really going to confirm what 's here uh, in a major way because there's nothing that can put the numbers together like that and to where they all to where you can all of you check out to see the proof of it. That book's ready now. You could only speak of a major timing. That book will be out by next year. Second Peter three fourteen. So beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by him at his coming without spot or blemish, and at peace and serene confidence free from fear and aggravated passions and moral conflict. It's time we clean up our act without spot or blemish at peace. Peace in Romans 16:20, uh, 20 is the God of peace that's going to put Satan underneath his feet. It's when you're in peace you're going to put your enemies underneath your feet. Your enemies cannot overcome the peace that's in you, free from fears. Anxiety, fear, depression, and panic is all self-centered. And the devil is doing everything he can to get you into these three, four things right now. These are illegal privileges for the body of Christ. You have no right to them. Your Father created all things. All things are in obedience to His Word. When you believe Him, then His Word is going to work in your life. There's some things that He's been speaking to me about belief, and I know that I've shared with you before. I've shared with you about everybody here believes that the Lord can push a wheelbar on a straight rope over Niagara Falls. And we believe it, don't we? Faith is getting in a wheelbar. Faith is higher than belief. Trust is higher than faith. Trust is getting in a wheelbar with a bag of peanuts and eating them and throw the holes over the... Falls and enjoying the trip. Now I found out there's something higher than trust. Rest is taking a nap. I believe we're going from trust to rest in the next 10 years, to where you can lay down in the midst of it, uh, as Daniel laid down in the midst of the lions. Did had a good night's sleep. I think that we come in a time to where those that have trusted will come into a place of rest in the next ten years. They can lay down any place and, and have a good night's rest. But right now I think he's dealing more on trust. Trust the Lord. Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out of our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's time that the love of God be shed abroad from your spirit man. It's not up here in your head. You're never going to come into agreement in your head. I've seen, I don't know how many times I've seen people put things together in their head and bring a lot of pastors together it exploded because all of them wanted to run it. But when the Holy Spirit's in charge down here, nobody runs it except God. And in a world where great fear is going on and things like this, the love of God shed abroad from your heart, from your conscience, your spirit man. Whatever that person needs to calm them down, that love would be speaking into them. Prophecy? Revelation? John ten thirty four and 35. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? If He called them God's to whom the Word of God came, and the Scripture cannot be broken. Do you ever think of yourself as God's? You're the children of God. You were meant to reign down here. Who are you? When you were born again of that God's sperm seed, you had all the genetics in you that was in Jesus Christ when He was made flesh and dwelt among us. For he come from God. And when you were born again, you came from God. You become sons and daughters of God. Therefore, you become gods. Psalms 82, six. I said you are God, and all of you are children of the Most High. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. For the earnest expectation of the Creator waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. All creation is in moaning and groaning, waiting for the children of God, the sons and daughters of God to grow up. But this genetics is in you. When you were born again, you were born of God. Every one of you out there, when you were born, you took your father's bloodline. Do you know what kind of bloodline you are? It is the year of the lion. You're that bloodline. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For well, if we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? Hope is confident expectations. Kenneth Hagin's got a saying that I really like. He went and asked a lady that he had prayed for the night before. Are you healed? When will you believe? She said, when I'm healed. He said, when you're healed, you don't need to believe. When you get prayed for here, you need to believe. Because once you get healed, you don't need to believe anymore. You got it. That's what he's saying here. Or we are saved by hope, but hope that isn't is seen is not hope. What a man sees, what does he yet hope for? You need to believe when you're prayed for, and you need to come against the symptoms of it. I remember years ago in Kansas City, I was putting a roof on my back porch, and I was carrying up a bundle of shingles, and a round broke out of it. My back went out. Oh, it was great pain. And I had to let myself down and crawl in the house. And I was in pain all night. Next day, at 3 o'clock, a friend of mine brought a man from England. And the man from England walked in and said, oh, I wouldn't have bothered you if I knew what kind of shape you were in. I was laying on my stomach. And I said, that's all right. There's not anything wrong with my tongue. It's my back that's out of place. And I said, uh, the Lord has shown me that he's going to use you in great healings. You're called to heal people. The man said, I spent all this money coming from England, and I would got that word twice last week. But I wanted to come and see if you had a word for it. He said, then if this is true, can I pray for you? I said, yes, please do. And he put his hand on my back, and it's like a hand come out of his hand, put my back right in place. All the pain was gone. I sat up. The warmth came into my leg and everything. I visited with them for over an hour. And as they were leaving, uh, they were getting in a car and driving off. I waved at him I had to hold the doorknob. And as soon as they pulling out, the pain really come back in a big way. And I said, No, you're not going to convince me. I am healed. The only way you put me down, devil, is for me to faint. And boy, you talk about the pain was really awesome. And I kept... Holding on, I have no idea how long. But I kept just holding on to it, and I know, no, I'm not giving up my healing. And I don't know, probably five minutes, the pain instantly was gone and never returned. So, sometimes when you get prayed for here, you get healed. The enemy is going to come immediately and put these symptoms back on you. And I learned a long time ago, call these lying symptoms. Because everybody's teaching you how to get healed, nobody's teaching you how to keep them. You need taught how to keep your healings. Believe, receive. You doubt it, you're going to do without it, he's going to steal it from you. I mean, you need you need to set a course that when you're going to get prayed for, I'm going to get healed, period. And then you go get prayed for. I got healed, period. And I'm afraid that not many people teach you this. But when you get prayed for, and the body of Christ is praying for you, there's goodness that comes out of the body of Christ it's got to virtue in it that heals. But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Galatians 4, 1 and 2. And now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from all forms of slaves. Though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Why aren't you moving into things you're called to? Because you're immature. That doesn't give you any excuse this time you grow up. And this law book here tells you how to grow up. You need to know the principle of this law book and obey it. And when you become obedient to this, it creates a faith in you and faith creates a trust in you. And trust will bring you into a place of rest, that you can rest in God. So I'm afraid that we don't have hardly any people that's grown up. But I do believe it is a time of this year of growing up. Preparation and equipping. 2012. Galatians 4:19, my little children, for whom I labor in birth until Christ is formed in you. I feel that that all of this was Paul's prayer, but I feel the saints have prayed for centuries for this generation. And this is a generation that Christ is going to be formed in you in a level of maturity to come forth and do the signs and wonders like you've never seen before. If you've been believing and not seeing what you expected to see, keep doing it. Keep believing. Let that belief come into faith. And the faith come into that place of trust in God that He's directing my life. So, I believe it is a time that by necessity many in the body of Christ is going to grow up. If you grow up and reach the level of maturity. Then have you any idea what kind of a kingdom is going to be turned over to you? Everything. You will have the say, not the devil. You will have a bridal tongue. I think one of the things that's the most immature about the body of Christ is our tongue. Our conversation is not right. We need to get it right. I'm not talking about just in church. We usually keep it pretty well there. But the rest of the week, in restaurants and places like that, if your conversation is about Jesus Christ, I, I don't care how loud you get. There going to be some that are offended, but there going to be some here too. So your conversation should be about Christ. Your expression, you should express your love for Him and His love for you. And you should present Him. Conversation, expression, presentation. You should present Him as a loving God that is not coming to destroy you like many preach, but is coming to give you visions, just like Bonnie read here in Jeremiah. Uh twenty nine eleven. You need to get that down. So I think the challenge is grow up. Bridle your tongue. Let your tongue be tongues of life to everybody that you come in contact with. I've noticed that people that I offend the greatest in my past. When something really got down on them hard, do you know who they came to? Those that you offend the greatest is those that are the most guilty. And they'll come to you when they have the need. You know what offends me the greatest? Somebody getting up here and preaching, it really offends me. I'm most offended what I'm the most guilty of. So when something offends me, I'm going to pray. What's my problem with that? If it wasn't true, then I'd kick it right out. It wouldn't offend me and say, hey, it's off the wall. But if it offends me, then there's something in here that I'm going to look over. And I'm going to repent of it and get it out of me. So it's time that we get all these things it's time that that we really begin to deal with our conscience. We've been taught that you can't see the Father. But in Matthew it speaks about the pure in hearts that can see God.
0: Well
2: what about this scripture? We've been taught you can't be holy, but the Lord thy God is holy, be thou holy. What about that? Leviticus 19.2. I think that, I believe that God is getting ready to deal her- with heresy in the church. Heresy that's embraced by one generation. To the next generation it becomes Doctrine. I think we've got a lot of doctrines that isn't God. This is God. This is His Word here. And in uh, Matthew 16, 19, 16, 18, it says, The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. In Amplified it says, The gates of hell, the eternal region shall not prevail against the church. So years ago, We've run down that word infernal. What does that mean? It means the doctrines of devils and the doctrines of man shall not prevail against the church. So for the last few years I've been praying that really often. Lord, you said they would not. And I believe that these things have been keeping the church weak and anemic. I believe that the real, true Inspired teachers are getting ready to come forth and give us the truth again. And the truth is going to come from about every way you can think it, just like those numbers. they're going to bring the truth. I believe you're getting ready for the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the next there is there is the binding and the loosing. Well, if you're in truth, then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, will come to you. And you'll be able to bind up the second heaven, which is the demonic realm, and release the blessings of God, which is the third heaven realm. So blessings are getting ready. Another word I'm afraid that really robs us is our traditions. We add things that's not in here. And I'll tell you, I believe the Spirit of Truth is really going to begin to really bombard us with the truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth is you free. And you'll become vessels of truth that carry God's Word uh, every place you go. I'll tell you, a doctrine you've heard a lot. That is the doctrines of man and the doctrines of demons. It's God doesn't heal anymore, God doesn't speak anymore. These are doctrines of demons and doctrines of man. And man has put himself in charge of these things and has used a control spirit to control the body of Christ. The control spirit is going to go with the truth. With the truth, you don't want to control anybody. The Holy Spirit's in control. And He's in every person that's born again. And I believe He's ready to come out of you and begin to reveal His truth to you. We need each individual taking their rightful place in the army of God. Or you can start taking cities. If we can unite, if the Christians can unite, you can pull down strongholds over cities. This is what I believe is going to begin next year. You pull down a stronghold over a city. You're going to own the whole city. You pull the strongholds over a county, you're going to own this county. Each city's got a principal of power, throne and dominion over it as demonic. I think the Father's got an ideal now of taking into our cities for himself. Or better than that, into our nations. Now, there was a brother up with us up there in Seattle that he isn't very well known in Seattle. But in South America, he's really well known. In Fiji, he's real, really well known because he led Fiji to the Lord in one day in 2000. There's been a nation dedicated to the Lord in a day. In his own town, he isn't too well known. but He came to meetings up there, and him and some other brothers are in South America now. And there's been awesome waves going on down there. Do you ever think that nations are going to be dedicated to the Lord in a day? That's been my prayer. This took place in 2000. You got anything you want to add to that one? Get the scripture? (laughs) Well, anyway, while I was suffering for the Lord down in Panama City, Florida, at a buffet bar one night, the Lord gave me a dream about a man. This was probably '94. And that man came in. I asked him to come over to the table. I want to talk to him. He did. I said, "You got a Bible in that book? You got a, a briefcase brief with him?" I said, do not you to take the Bible out?" So he said, "Okay." I said, "Sit down." He did. I told him, "Turn to this page. You will lead a nation to the Lord in a day."
1: It's Isaiah 66, 8. It says, Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Or shall a nation be brought forth in a moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children.
2: And so in 2000, the president of Fiji called him and asked him to come over, and he did. And he asked him, said, I'll bring in all the denominations into the heart of Fiji tomorrow on a Sunday. I'll bring them in from the islands. Will you lead us to the Lord? And, Will you dedicate this nation to the Lord in a day? Because they just had one horrible uh, warfare over there. A rebellion and everything. So, this brother... At first he thought, wait a minute. He said, I've heard of this. So he turned to this passage. And he said, yeah, I will. So the next day, all over the islands over there, they brought the main Christian leaders. There's 37 different types of Christians. I call them tribes. And he brought in there. And that Sunday that they were there, it was pouring rain. And they had a, he said he had an umbrella over him, and he was surprised because they all came in the rain. Not one of them deserted it, and he dedicated the the nation of Fiji to the Lord that day. So I believe that there are other nations that are getting ready to be dedicated to the Lord. this nation bunny has got a book we put together about the Eagle Nation. This nation was dedicated to the Lord at our birth. We've lost our Christian values. This nation was born on a rock. Was a, we know of an eagle being born on that rock. But there were two eagles born on that rock that day. One of them was a female. That's the church. The church in this nation in the beginning was not divided. Because it was the Christian leaders that wrote our laws. I think the enemy is trying to take our Constitution from us. And our history. So, it's only when they separated the eagles... That we begin to go downhill, humanism begin to separate us back there. I'll tell you, this nation is going to have to have the the female eagle come back in beside the male. For this nation is in bad trouble, and the reason she won't be destroyed is the the church. We were founded on the rock, on the gospel of Christ. How much shaking will it take to get us back there? Our Father's faithful; He'll shake us until we get there. I don't, I don't see this nation, destroyed, but I sure see it shaken, and I don't think the main shaking has begun yet. Therefore, you need to really prepare your lives. If you are on that solid rock of Christ, then the Christ in you will not shake. Anxiety will not destroy you. Fear is having a great big devil and a little bit of God. Faith is having a great big God and everything going your way. Depression. All of these things, as I've already told you, are self-centered. Depression shuts off. It's right where the yamaka fits on your head. And that's where the electrical charges are in your head Are at. It runs all five of your senses. Depression destroys your five senses. You don't think reasonable. Panic will key. All these will key. These are judgments that's loosed on America now. And it's all self-centered. If you remain Christ-centered, you're not going to have anything to worry about. I was once young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor His children or seed bagging bread. We need to get that down. So, I don't see... It's the fear of it. It's fear in the fear and dreading a dread. When we are prayed up, you're all right. Bonnie Connors has got a four-year-old son that's got a wisdom the rest of us need to learn. Grandson. He was a out driving with his grandpa and a tornado was coming down there in Texas. And Bobby was wondering where he pulled off the road, what he did. And he said, Grandpa, God made us. He's with us. We don't have to be afraid of that. And that tornado split immediately and went both sides. Actually turned back. The faith of a four-year-old. the pure in spirit. Many times I find their children under ten. They see it clear. They have no understanding of what they're seeing. But some of the greatest revelation I see are children. Pure in spirit, they see God. Wouldn't it be something if we could get back with childlike faith where we could see God? A good spirit is a virtue in it which heals. A critical spirit was uh, the woman caught in adultery and they brought unto the Lord for him to stone her. And he wrote in the dust. They expected he would stone her. But he wrote in the dust and I believe he wrote all men and women's sins in that dust. I think they seen their own sin. There's worse than hers. So they all left. And when he raised his eyes, he said, Woman, we're your accusers. Only you. I think she expected to be stoned. He said, I don't accuse you either. I forgive you. Go your way and sin no more. When you've got a critical spirit, sometimes you've got worse things than you, than that person you're criticizing.
1: Uh, 2 Corinthians
2: 7 1. A defiled spirit. A defiled spirit and flesh. A defiled spirit is your conscience when you willingly sin. You willingly defile it. And if you notice in there, the Lord is saying in that word, you clean it up. If you sin and you've got a defiled spirit, the Holy Spirit ain't going to help you. You're going to have to repent. And once you do and you repent, God, I'll never do that again. Then the Holy Spirit will clean your conscience because of your, inner, your repenting. You're doing the cleaning of the defilement of your spirit and your flesh. In Hebrews, I think, is the fourth chapter. It's about if you've got a, an evil uh, spirit, evil conscience. And an evil conscience is thinking the worst of everybody. Uh, you're against everybody. And you'd think you needed to deliver, sir. But it's saying you repent of it. You get it done. And once you do, the grace of God will forgive you once you repent. And it will clean you up to where you can begin to hear. So, I believe what he's saying. I'm spirit. It's time you get your act together. And let me speak into you and mature you to where I can give you the authority I've called you to be. He's called the church to be the authority, not only in America, but this whole earth. And He's waiting for us to take advantage of it. It's time that we grow up. But everything has already been given to you. In uh, Psalms 115, verse, The heavens belong to God, but the earth is put into our hands. We determine where it's going. Are we in judgment now? Yeah, we are. These weather patterns and everything that's going on are judgment. These earthquakes and things are shaking in judgment. They're calling us to repent. In the Shiferah this year is extreme weather patterns. The other thing in the shepherd rod is the promise he gave you in two in 2008, dig them back up. Look them over. Because they were delayed. This is Ezekiel, the 12th chapter, 24th verse and the rest of it. They will no longer delay. Look them over and begin to, I think there was a test and see if we believed them. Start believing for the good again. I'm afraid people are believing for the bad. What happens if we start believing for the good? Well, I think the Father has been speaking to us for the last three or four years. Three anyway. And I think we've discounted those promises. Look them over again. Believe for salvation of your relatives and friends again. And call out again on these. In the shepherd rod this year, is the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is right here in your spirit. It's going to come up. And in the first that he spoke on the Day of Atonement last fall, mind get out of the way because the kingdom of God's coming. So get ready for the kingdom that's in you to come. He said, cast off all restraints. Another thing he said, get ready to soar. I've got sky pilots. It's going to take you up the first time. Then you start going up on your own. Get ready to solo. Get ready to soar. For the natural, the supernatural is natural to the saints. Get ready to soar. Get ready to go. So, we're in a different time than we've been before. And I don't believe we've been this way before. But I think we're getting ready to move into the, to the supernatural, which is natural for saints, on a level that's never been before. The Lord says, if I by the finger of God cast Satan out, then the kingdom of God has come. Get ready for the kingdom within you to come and begin to establish His kingdom on this
0: earth. I believe this is the year
2: that the dread champions begin to come forth. They will champion His cause. I think there's not been many dread champions in the world in the last few years. But this maybe. is a year the Holy Spirit is going to be really dealing to bring forth dread champions that will be a dread champion that will champion the Lord's call. Anything you want to share?
0: Hmm.
2: Well... That's about the message I've got for you. So, tomorrow, what I've done to you tonight is take you to a level. Tomorrow, I'm going to take you above this level.
0: I'm coming back. (laughs) How about you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all we've received tonight, Lord. God, just thank you for the impartation. Now comes the activation. Amen. All right. Be blessed. See you tomorrow.